Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Well, good morning, ACF. You made it to church today. Let's celebrate that. Such a big deal. And everybody online, we're so grateful for you and glad that you're with us here today. We love you. And one thing we want to do real quick, if you have a phone on you, pull that out real quick. Uh, We are continuing through COVID to stream online as we always have because we know there's a lot of people who cannot be with us in this space. And we want to know, want you to know that we love you. You are part of our family. Uh, This is a a shame-free zone, okay? Everybody's at a different place right now. And so um, go on Facebook, if you would, and just share this post and share this online uh, service, it's a great chance for you to use your influence to build God's kingdom. And so if you're with us online, you can just hit that share button. And it's just a great way to continue to invite our friends and our family to be a part of what's going on here. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine was like, you know, it's so cool. Uh, you know, I was, I've been trying to talk to my, my brother about God for years and years and years. And then I saw that he was online watching church with us. It was so cool. And so God is using the online forum to build his kingdom kingdom. We want to be a part of that again together. And so, um, you guys, listen, can I just say this? I am so happy to see you. Um, more than ever, I really mean this. I am so happy to see those of you who are in this room and, and to be with you. And after, you know, four months of teaching to a camera, it's just awesome to have some human beings in front of me. And, and if there was a theme for this entire COVID season, I would say the theme is simply this. We were made for relationships. Wouldn't you say that, like, has anybody else been convicted of that? That, man, we are built to be connected to other people, and and we don't really realize it until that's taken away from us, or we're separated and isolated. And and right now, I just want you to know, lean in right now. Lean into your groups online. Lean in uh, to your relationships here. Have a conversation before you head to the parking lot, um, and just build a friendship, because we all need those those relationships. And and in all of this, this whole journey that we've been in, we've been talking about God's kingdom and how his kingdom is so different than the kingdoms of this world. And we're in a series called Flipped Upside Down. And the idea that is this, that when Jesus shows up, he shows up to bring this different upside down kingdom. And we asked this question on week one, is there any way to right side up this upside down world? Is there any way to to flip it around in the way that it should be? And Jesus shows up to do that. And he teaches us these these crazy things that like, hey, the person that's the least in this world will actually be the greatest in God's kingdom. The person that's oppressed and abused in this world, you know, they're the ones that will be blessed in God's kingdom. The person that gets kicked around and struggles through life and can't seem to get ahead, that person is blessed in God's kingdom. And so I just want to say that to you. I don't know what you carried into church with you today, but I would guess that everyone here carried something. And I don't know what you're carrying with you as you're watching online today, but I just want you to know as you step from this kingdom into God's kingdom, Jesus says, you are blessed. Beyond comprehension, beyond imagination, that you are blessed. And God wants to pour out more of his blessing on those who would choose to submit their lives to him. And maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and, and maybe you've stumbled on this, uh, th- this video online and you're not a follower of Jesus, but let me just tell you, Jesus is ready with open arms to welcome you into his family and to flip upside down your life 
to the way that God has intended it to be. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you have a Bible, want to open that real quick where you can join, join us in that. And so you can also download the ACF Church app and all the text and some notes will be on there as well if you want to follow along. But this is Matthew 5 verse 9. It says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus is talking about blessing. These are the beatitudes or the blessings of Jesus from what's uh, really well known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is speaking to this big crowd of people about this upside down kingdom. And he says, hey, if you make peace, that's, that's what, means, what it means to be blessed. A blessed person is someone who makes peace. And so the question I have is, well, what is peace? It's obviously something that we want more of, especially right now. We could use a little more peace. Uh, I think we all would agree with that. And so we know a few things about peace. Uh, First, we know that Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. Absolutely. We know that people often pray for a world. We know that as parents, sometimes we say, can't I get a little bit of Yeah, peace. Let the parents say amen, right? I know this weekend I was like, I just need a little bit of peace and quiet uh, with my kids. I think one of the things is that we just, we want more peace. And uh, historically, one of the key doctrines that were, um, that was under controversy was the doctrine of peace among many prophets in the day of Jesus. And we know historically that uh, the prophets had this, some proclaimed what was a, a true peace and others proclaimed what was a false peace. And in their society, some believed in one and some believed in the other. And I would say in our world today, uh, there's a false peace and there's a true peace as well. And in fact, what they would do, these these false prophets would go around just simply yelling the word peace, hoping that it would sort of manifest itself. Like if we just say peace, we speak it enough, then it's just sort of going to show up in the world. We know that's not true at all. And in in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. These false prophets, they act like there's not really a problem in the world. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Uh, So Jeremiah saw this. He saw, hey, these people, they walk around acting like there's nothing wrong. Do you know anybody like this? Where they look at the world and they just sort of want to pretend that there's nothing really wrong with the world around us. So what is a false peace? What's this false peace that those prophets and that many people today end up choosing? Uh, Well, here's a false peace. So I'm a dad, and let's just say my kids do exactly what I say. That'd be good, right? Like in the house, (laughs) amen, in in the house of the cooks, right? Like when, when I speak, they do exactly what I say. Somebody might look in at my home and be like, now that's a house of peace. But let's say my, my children, um, inwardly resent me as a father, Is that true peace or is that false peace? It's a false peace. Let's say you're in a a workplace and uh, nobody argues. Some of you are like, that would be nice because there's been lots of arguments lately in your workplace. And and let's just say nobody's arguing, nobody's really talking about things. You might look in from the outside and be like, "That's that's a workplace of peace. But the reality is that over time, people have stopped talking because no one's listening. No one's learning. No one really wants the betterment of the, co- the, the company, and so they're just not talking anymore. So we've given way to a false peace. Uh, how about you when you showed up here today? If I were to sit down with you and ask you, hey, how did you sleep last night? And you said, I slept like a baby, right? 
I mean, I just lay my head on my pillow and I crash every single night. I sleep perfectly. But let's say also your life is waging war against somebody else. Like the things that you're saying is it's hurting people and the things that you're doing is hurting you and your family. Let's say the things that you do are rebelling against God, the creator of the universe. So you may think that you're at peace, but what you actually are living in is a false peace, right? I think we're all tempted to choose a false peace over a true peace. And the true prophets made it very clear that there's two things that are essential to true peace. Righteousness and justice. When righteousness, which is just simply being in the will of God, doing what God says is best, and justice, when those two things exist in the world, there is real peace. And the the Hebrew people had a word for peace. Do you know what that word was, anybody? That's right. Some Bible scholars in the room. Shalom. And shalom is this. Shalom is the reconciliation of all things to God through the work of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Like, that's not a false peace. That's not a cheap peace. That is a very costly, true peace. And it's the kind of peace that God's people for generations have been praying for God to bring. God, bring shalom to the earth. Bring a true peace to the earth. And the good news is, he already did. Colossians 1.19 says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Who's him? Church answer? Jesus, that's right. Jesus is him, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. How many things? All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's really good news, you guys. So like Jesus has already come, He's already uh, dwelt with his people and and has sought out to reconcile to himself all things in the earth. But this was not a free peace. This was a very costly peace, and it came through the blood of the cross. God himself shows up to earth to make peace. Jesus is like a cosmic peacemaker. He brings peace to the world. Now, some of you are like, well, that's really good news, but it's not true. Because if I look at the world, I would say that we lack peace, right? It doesn't seem like a real peaceful world. But what we understand is uh, what scholars say is that we're living, biblical scholars call it, in the in-between times. It's it's like the the already but not yet kingdom of God. And this is what this upside-down kingdom is. Jesus is proclaiming something that's, that's both here and coming. So Jesus both brought peace, and listen, he's continuing to bring peace. So we're in this process of of living out this whole thing of the kingdom of God right here on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we pray that. It's why that's, you know, on our t-shirts as a church in Alaska as in heaven. Because that's our prayer is that God's kingdom would come to earth. That it would be lived out and played out in our workplaces and in our homes, in our families. We would see little moments and glimpses of God's kingdom here on earth. And Jesus wants to do that. And he's doing that right in our midst. But... The truth is, we live in this already but not yet kingdom, and there is a lack of peace. People don't live in peace. Shalom is integration. It's harmony, right? And what we see in our world is a disintegration and a a, a disharmony, right, in the world around us. And even like for you personally, as you sit here right here in church, and if you're watching online, listen, you are scientifically literally wasting away, right? Right? You're literally, like, cellularly, you're breaking down in our midst. You are literally right before our eyes breaking down, which some of you are like, and it's more obvious to some than others, right? Like, 
Like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, yep, that's breaking down right in my midst. And that's just the, the world itself is, is really, it's, it is wasting away. We know that to be true from a scientific perspective, but it's also true on a spiritual perspective. The world is breaking down. And it's, it's really falling apart. We have things like division and wars and, and viruses, right? I mean, the coronavirus is proof that the world is breaking down, right? And it will not be the last thing that surprises us and where we go, man, it just seems like things are so broken and messed up and I just don't know what to do with it. Uh, there will be more. We will continue to see that, that this shalom has been broken through something called sin. That the peace that, that uh, Adam and Eve walked Uh, in the garden with, that peace that they felt with their creator and with each other was broken through sin, and we still live in that place of disunity and disintegration today, and the world is breaking down, and yet Jesus says, hey, this is not where the world is going to end up. Ultimately, I will bring my kingdom, and I will restore the world. 1 John 2.17 says, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we believe that the world is literally passing away. I love it when um, scripture is way ahead of science. Um, but the world is passing away along. And I love this idea, along with its desires. In other words, the world around us desires this world, right? We desire to find fulfillment and meaning and purpose in this world. And so we, we grab after whatever we can get just so that we can experience the moment, right? We can feel a little bit of momentary joy, And John is like, hey, uh, what people desire today will not be what they desire in eternity. There will come a moment where everybody on the earth will only desire God. That's where the world's going. So so we can kind of either participate in that kingdom today, or we can actually resist that kingdom and never experience that. But God's people, what we do is we participate in that reality here and now. We make God the focus of our affections, God the the purpose of our lives, God the one that brings us peace. And for those of us who do God's will, we actually live forever with him. That's really where the world is going. And here's what this means. This is really, really cool when you think about it. It it means that if you want to be blessed in this world alone, then this life is honestly as close to heaven as you're going to get. But... If your heart is to be blessed in God's kingdom, then listen, this life is as close to hell as you'll ever get. And it's bad sometimes, but we can know as God's people that that this is as close to hell as we ever get because we live in God's kingdom and we'll spend eternity with him. And so where do we lack peace in the world? Um, There's a lot of places, right? I'm sure you you wouldn't have a a super hard time finding a lack of peace in the world. Um, I'll start with the easy ones. How about between Democrats and Republicans? Show of hands, who's a Democrat? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that, church. We have all of those and and everything in between. You know, every political stance, I think, would probably be represented in ACF church. But there's a tension there, certainly. Uh, Between family members, there's a lack of peace, right? You've got that uncle that gets invited to Thanksgiving and you always hope won't show up because you know there's going to be a, a fight around the table and they're going to start talking about things that they shouldn't talk about around Thanksgiving dinner and it's just going to be a lack of, lack of peace, right? Here's uh, one that we see right now. There's a lack of peace between police and minorities in America, right? Lack of, lack of peace. There's a tension there, certainly. A lack of peace between people of different religious beliefs. Tension 
There, even, even here today, right, there's a lack of peace between people who think we should be wearing masks and think, people who think we should not be wearing masks, right? People who think there is a coronavirus that's, that's coming after us and other people who are like, it just doesn't even exist. It's all just, it's all fake news, right? I mean, there's a lack of peace and it creates tension around us. And what happens is when we lack peace, you know what we get? We get angry. Now, I wonder if we could be honest in church today. Over the past four months, has anyone just been really angry? Please be honest with me. Okay, uh, okay. You can raise your hand online if you want to. Anybody? So for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real with you. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I open my eyes and I just want to punch someone. And I know that's not very pastoral, but I wake up angry sometimes and, and it's because there's a lack of peace in my heart. There's something, some kind of lie that I've given way to, or there's something that needs some maintenance in my heart, and I haven't dealt with it. And so I just, I wake up aggressive. I wake up struggling and, and fighting within myself. And anger is something that we see played out all around us. And it gets ridiculous sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, when people get angry, they don't think very clearly when they're angry. In fact, there's this proverb that I think speaks to this perfectly. It says, uh, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. I could just stop preaching right there, right? We're just going to put that here. Just focus in on that for a moment. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do his job, right? That... There's a lot of truth to that, right? Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. We don't understand when we're quick to anger. There's no time to try to understand. We don't ask questions. We don't seek understanding. We're just, we're, we're angry. We're frustrated. There's a lack of peace. There's conflict going on. And a quick-tempered person literally stockpiles stupidity. Do you know that anger makes you stupid? Amen. It, it really does. I mean, we've all been there. Where you said something because you were angry, and you're like, that was really stupid. I should not have said that. You did something because you're angry. Some of you have pictures in weird places on the walls in your house because you're covering up a moment that you did something stupid when you were angry, right? Getting in your business at church today. I know, right? Why is there a picture of grandma like in the corner of the room? It's like, well, that's just where the cat flew, right? When... You know, dad was fired up and just whatever was in the hands. I I get it. Sometimes we get angry and we do things that are just stupid. I mean, literally, when we're angry, we, our, our minds and bodies, we go into fight or flight mode. And when you're in fight or flight mode, you're unable to think. You simply are, are responding and reacting on impulse. And the problem is it's not simply what we do, it's, it's what we say. We know the power of things that we've said that we wish we could take back. You know that feeling where something comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, this is going to get bad. I should have never said that. But you were angry. And it flowed from your heart. That's what the Bible says. And then you have to deal with it, right? And so we need peace. And honestly, the way that we respond in those moments is how we would respond and would, it would make sense to respond if we were living as our old selves apart from Jesus. See, here's the reality. The world is actually wired to dismantle itself. But God's people are wired for peace. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are wired for peace. If you're like, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but like, 
Sometimes it doesn't look like it when I'm frustrated. I understand that, but, but there's hope for you because you're wired for peace. When Jesus comes into your heart, you are wired for reconciliation, for healing, to be a peacemaker in the world. And so as I was walking through this and going, man, I want that shalom. I want that harmony, that reconciliation to be something that I see around me and something that I can help bring to the world. I started asking a few questions. I asked, how can we begin to identify this war within ourselves? How can we begin to notice that we're not at peace? That's pretty important, right? Do you know that we are the most anxious generation that's ever lived? I mean, it's insane how much, we all live with a low-level anxiety at all times. It's just the world we live in. And what if you began to notice that? I don't think we even notice the sickness anymore. We started seeing that there's a war within myself. There's a belief that I've given way to that doesn't align with God's kingdom. And, And because of that belief, I walk in conflict. I walk with a lack of peace. I began to ask, what does it look like to be carriers of peace in this chaos? to actually do something about the lack of peace in the world. I began to think, what if in ACF Church, our relationships were marked by peace? If when people looked in at you and your friendships and your your marriages, they were like, man, there's just something about them that radiates peace. And then I began to ask, well, what does peace look like in the face of injustice? There's a lot of injustice in the world, things that are just plain wrong, that, that God's people, if we have the heart of God would want to do something about. I mean, there's a lack of peace there. Should we, should we avoid those things or lean into those things? And I think the first thing we see is that because of God and who he is, that he actually reconciles the world to himself through the blood of the cross, we see that peace is not passive. Peace doesn't just happen. You can't simply say, can we all just be happy? Can we all just get along? That statement does not bring peace, okay? That doesn't create peace. Peace is not passive. Um, After his resurrection, Jesus spends some time with his disciples, and um, he appears to them, and they're very excited because uh, they just watched their, you know, their, 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 their rabbi die on a cross. And so they were freaking out going, well, now, now where, where's the peace going to come from? So Jesus is resurrected. He shows himself to them. And they have been living in this oppressive Roman society that was actually custom built to create division. Where there's a very high class of people. And there was a very low class of people. See, we, many of us are middle class. We don't know what that's like. But in their society, there was pretty much no middle class, only a high class. People who had everything and people who had almost nothing. And so lots of division, lots of oppression, and and a a real lack of peace for the high majority of those in that culture. And so his disciples are like, well, Jesus, if you go away, where will we find peace? How will we ever experience peace Without you. On John 14, it says this. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. So there's something that Jesus is leaving that's going to give them peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love this. Jesus is reassuring these men who lack peace, right? He says, hey, I'm going to give you a peace. And if you continue to read, what you realize is that that Jesus said, I'm going to leave you the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to live in you. You're you're actually going to have peace living inside of you. And and that God isn't going to dwell in some kind of building. 
Like, like he, doesn't, he doesn't dwell in just this room, you know? Like when we leave here, God's not like twiddling his thumbs going, I hope they come back. I miss ACF, right? Like, like God lives in his people. The Holy Spirit, who is peace, lives in his people. And Jesus says, hey, the peace that you're looking for, that you want me to bring through political and, and military power, that peace, that peace isn't going to last. He says, I'm going to give you a, a peace that's going to last. Because here's what we do know, right? When the world gives us peace, the world always takes it back. You've experienced that, right? You felt a moment of peace, and in the back of your mind, you knew it was going to end. You knew it was going to get taken away from you. Because for most of us, our peace, uh, apart from God, is it's grounded in like you know how well my kids are doing in school, or how well my job is going, or how well my grades are going, or you know whatever it may be, how well my finances are doing right now. All of these things, they they are what holds our peace. Jesus says, "Hey, when I hold your peace, I don't take it back." I give it to you, and it's something that can never be taken from you. That's the kind of peace that I want in my life. And so, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to tease out two really important terms in this text, or um, from this text, that are key to understanding what Jesus is saying is actually blessed. Uh, the first term is peacemaker. What is a peacemaker? And how is it different from another term, which is peacekeeper? In this world, in your families, in your workplaces, are people who are peacemakers, and there are people who are peacekeepers. The question is, do you know the difference? Like, what's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? In his famous letter from Birmingham jail, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote that the greatest stumbling block to racial reconciliation in our country was not the overtly racist people around us. He said it was the peacekeeper. And he describes the peacekeeper as somebody who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. What a great quote. In other words, he says there, there, there are people in our society who um, are desperate for peace, but they prefer a negative or a false peace, you know, like the prophets who would just yell peace, peace, and act like, uh, tie up their wounds like they weren't wounds at all, a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive or a true peace, which is the presence of justice. If peace is not passive, it's active, then for there to be peace, there has to be justice. And God actually uses his people and his church to be agents of justice in the world. That is one really important and powerful way for us to be people who carry peace to the world. A peacekeeper wants to avoid conflict at all costs. A a peacekeeper wants to keep the peace and bury the problem. A peacekeeper is the kind of person who does all of this at the expense of progress. There can be no progress if we're simply trying to keep the peace. You know this, right? Like like there's, you've seen it before where the the problems get pushed deeper into uh, the ground and you're not dealing with the real issue. And so uh, here's what, what we know is that for there to be peace first, there's got to be some tension. And if we're always avoiding the tension, we're never actually going to experience a real peace. And for the Romans, 
One of the ways that they tried to create peace was through submission, oppression, and power. Once again, their whole idea was like, if we can just get rid of the opposition, then there will be peace, right? If we just drive them deeper into the ground through power and opposition and submission, then, then we can actually have peace. But here's what we know. That's a false peace, isn't it? That's not a, it's not a real peace. Um, so I'm a, I'm a military kid. I grew up uh, with a military family. My dad was in the Air Force for 30 years. Um, he retired at F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming. And in fact, he just finally retired from his second career this week, which is really cool. And uh, just so proud of my dad. And um, when I was growing up, I was just really into military aircraft and missiles and all of that cool stuff. And this whole thing made me think of this. Uh, would you put this picture up? Um, does anybody know what this is, actually? That's right, I heard it. It's called a peacekeeper. And I assure you that the irony of the name was not lost on those who named it. This is a massive bomb. I mean, this thing, is, this thing could wipe out a massive amount of people. It can be shot at the enemy from 7,000 miles away. It is a 300 kiloton nuclear warhead. Which, just to put that in perspective, um, the atomic bomb at Hiroshima, you know that video that everybody's seen, the big mushroom cloud? That was 15 kilotons. 300 kilotons of explosive power. That'll shut them up. So, I mean, just this is the idea. Let me, let me drive this deeper, is that a peacekeeper sometimes prefers what I would call the nuclear option. And the nuclear option is where I just decimate the opposition with my rage and my rock-solid arguments so that the war is over. And now I can have peace, right? That's the whole idea of the nuclear option. The nuclear option, the person that does this is the person that believes if everyone would just agree with me, there would be more peace. If you thought like I think, you did what I said to do, there would be peace. And then Jesus shows up and let me assure you, the disciples wanted that kind of peacemaker, right? It's a peacekeeper, but they wanted for peace to be made on earth through something like this, right? Like, like, would you just blow up the Romans? I'm sure if they had any understanding what an ICBM was, they'd be like, Jesus, can you bring a couple of those with you? Because that'll do the job. And then Jesus shows up and says stuff um, that blows our minds about being a suffering servant and being the least of these and turning the other cheek and Paul in Romans, he says this, he says, Do not avenge yourselves, beloved, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a different way of making peace, isn't it? Serving, loving, caring for others. That there is something that happens, like a deep-seated, true peace that's created when we take on this upside-down kingdom way of seeking after peace in the world. So what about you? Just self-inventory moment. Let's get real with ourselves. Would people in your life describe you as a peacemaker or as a peacekeeper? Uh, maybe by the, the post that you put up on social media, are you a peacemaker? By the way, you respond in staff meetings. Are you a peacemaker? 
By how you deal with someone of a different opinion than you, are you a peacemaker? By the, the things that you say about people when they're not around, are you a peacemaker? Jesus says, if you are, then you will be blessed. Now, some of you here are like, okay, that's all cute, Brian, but um, let's, just, let's just say that there is a battle to be fought, you know? Like, like didn't Jesus fight some battles? And, and one thing we know about Jesus is he was somebody who fully understood controversy, right? Everywhere Jesus went, there was controversy. Uh, he called himself God, so uh, that offended some people. And it created tension. And, and so maybe you're, if you're a, you know, somebody who understands the Bible, you're like, but Brian, you're telling half the story here because Jesus says this in Matthew 10. He says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. It's one of those moments where you're like, does the Bible contradict itself? He says, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Do you know anybody that just loves to fight? This is their favorite verse. The fighters in the room, they're like, man, you know what? I just love a good battle. Like, if the house gets too quiet, I just got to, like, launch in and mess it up because I'm uncomfortable with the silence, right? Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. There we go. So Jesus came to just blow it up, right? What you need to understand here is Jesus is using some really... Um, key language. He uses the word sword, or a sword is a, it's a cutting tool, right? It's a dividing tool. Like here next week, I plan on doing some dip netting down at the Kseeloff River, and, and I'm going to hopefully catch a few salmon. And one thing I love, like every man loves, which is a really sharp fillet knife. Like I love it, which is razor sharp. I'll be, you know, on that, that stone sharpening that thing for a few minutes before I actually cut into some fish. And I just love, you know, when you cut in, it just, it divides the flesh, what we know about Jesus is he calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And he says that no one comes to the Father but through him, which means Jesus makes these, these statements of truth, these exclusive statements of truth that are very divisive. Jesus himself is a divisive man. He brings division. And some of you, when I read that, you were like, I, I get that because I had tension between me and my mother or me and my father or me and my, my, my daughter because of Jesus. I came to Christ and there was a problem. But what Jesus is saying is that the truth always divides, but that he offers peace to those who trust in him. Like the truth always divides. Jesus isn't saying, I'm here because I really enjoy when you guys are fighting each other. He's not saying, hey, if you bring division amongst people like I bring division, then you're blessed. He's saying the truth will always divide, but he will give peace to those who trust in him. So, what kind of peace can we have? What kind of peace are we after? Uh, three kinds of peace. The first I would call upward peace. And upward peace is peace with God, and it begins with forgiveness. One of the things that you need to know if you want to be a peacemaker is that you can't make what you don't have. If you don't have peace, you can't make peace. It's just impossible. It'd be like, my daughter, she loves to cook. It'd be like, hey, Avriana, I want you to make me some chocolate chip cookies, and I'm not going to give you any chocolate chips. You can't make what you don't have. There's a lot of people walking around wishing for, hoping for, trying to make some peace, but they themselves have no peace. And the peace that you want begins with God himself. It begins with God as the highest authority in the universe. 
And what does he say about you? And what's your relationship like with him? Once again, the problem with us and our lack of peace is the presence of sin, that we don't desire after the things of God. And we choose the things of this world. Isaiah 59 says, the way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. And we know what that life's like, right? Um, Some of you are living in that place right now currently. You're like, no, I'm not a believer in Jesus yet. Others of you have a story of that where you're like, yeah, I actually remember making my roads crooked, (laughs) choosing things that would just destroy peace in my life because I didn't really know that God had something better for me, that God actually wanted to reconcile with me. And so this whole thing begins, I don't know where you're at today, but um, God is waiting with open arms to invite you into his family. He is, he is ready and willing to reconcile what's, what's wrong between you and him. And as the, as the highest authority in the universe, God wants to call you holy and righteous and pure by the blood of the cross. And so you need to believe that, that that's possible. And then I want to invite you to receive it here today. And the second kind of peace is an inward peace. We all want some inward peace. And this peace with ourselves begins with forgiveness. So peace with God begins with forgiveness. Peace with ourselves begins with forgiveness. You have a story. You've done some things. You've said some things. You've, you've created some chaos. Maybe you've started some wars. Maybe there's some things that you've walked through in your life, and you're like, man, I, that just seems to continue to be drugged behind me. I, I can't seem to, to shake where I've been and, and what I've done. And I just... I want that sense when I lay down my head on my pillow at night that there is this inward peace. And listen, the lie, the lie in our world today is that you can get on top of a mountain and you can, within your own ability, just kind of meditate your way to peace. I want to promise you a mountain cannot give you peace. Only Jesus can. And in fact, this is so uh, pervasive in our culture. It's everywhere. I, I ran across a sign the other day at a doctor's office I had to snap a picture of it because it kind of blew my mind. Nothing can bring you peace but yourself. And I just sat in that chair and I thought, then we are screwed. Maybe that's too real for you at church. Can we be honest? I mean, if this is the path, if I am the pathway to peace, that's hopeless because I'm going to screw that up every single day. How can I be the pathway to peace? But this is what people believe, and and you're chasing after the wind. You will never hold on to peace. You will only have momentary uh, times where you simply feel okay about yourself because it's a good day, or you're in a beautiful place, or you're on a lake somewhere in Alaska, and you know there's no conflict right now. But the world gives you peace, and the world takes it back. Again, Jesus wants to give you peace and he wants to let you keep it. And he wants to let you keep it in such a way that you can actually make it in the world. The third kind of peace is an outward peace. I bet you can't guess what this one begins with. This peace amongst people begins with forgiveness. So peace with God begins with forgiveness. Peace 
within ourselves begins with forgiveness and peace with each other begins with forgiveness. There's, once again, probably somebody in your life that you need to deal with right now. There's an issue that's between you and someone else and you've sort of pushed it below the surface or you've chosen the nuclear option, right? You have decimated them with your uh, unstoppable arguments and you are standing correct in position and yet you are not a peacemaker so you are not blessed in that relationship. Like you're completely right about what you're saying, but there is no peace. It's been driven below the surface. And who wants to dig those type of things up? But there is a time to be the kind of person that would say, I need to start a conversation here. Jesus, here's what I love. This is the gospel truth. Jesus did that for us. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one. And has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus takes two completely different, even opposing people, and makes them one person in his body. And that's what's so cool about the church. If you're like, man, I don't know what I think about the church. I understand that. There's probably been some division that you've experienced within the church. But when when we are submitting ourselves together to the lordship of Jesus, what there is is there's unity. There's diversity. There's a lot of different perspectives and thoughts, and yet we are one person, one family under Christ Jesus. That's what God did for us with him. We were were divided from God. There was a wall of hostility between us and God because of our sin. Jesus comes in and he he says, I don't want this to come between us. So you know what? I'm not going to wait for you to fix the sin. Praise God. He didn't just slap a sign like the one we just had up on the door of our house and say, hey, peace is within you. Go figure it out. He said, no, I will be the one that bears the burden. I myself am so dedicated to reconciliation that I will bear the burden of what's wrong in this relationship so that we can have peace. Uh, a while back there was a friend of mine, it's probably last year or sometime, and um, there was a tension in the relationship. But I just knew it was there. I knew we needed to deal with it. I knew we needed to have a conversation and I don't want to do it. Uh, I just wanted to... To, to just not feel the tension, right? And so I, I finally worked up the courage to give this friend a call. And um, I just said, hey, I know there's been some issues between me and you. I just feel like there's some things we need to work out. Um, would you be willing uh, to make some time for a conversation? And you know what he said? This was so cool. He said, I will clear my schedule. What does it look like for you to clear your schedule to be a peacemaker? Like, what does it look like for you to get rid of all the excuses, all the reasons why you can't, and to find the reason why you can? Whether it's with someone else, maybe it's within yourself, but I promise you it first begins with God. Receiving His grace so that you can make peace with others. And if you're here today and you're like, Brian, that peace sounds really, really good. I want that peace. I just want you to know you can have it today. You simply receive that grace from God. God wants to give that to you liberally. And you can walk out of church today or you can shut down your computer or phone today knowing that I'm at peace with God. And when you can make peace with God, you can make peace with anyone. And so if that's you, I want to just give you a chance to receive that. Would you just bow your heads and I want to pray with you for a moment and Can we just acknowledge right now that we've sought out peace in our own strength and um, it's never really worked out, has it? 
And so, Father, today we come before you asking for your peace. And we begin by acknowledging our sin before you. And we just want to say, God, that we know that we can't have peace on our own. We have blown that over and over and over again. And, God, we need the peace that you bring, the peace that cannot be taken away from us. So, Father, would you forgive us for our shortcomings and sins? God, would you take our dead, broken hearts of conflict? God, would you give us hearts of flesh, hearts of peace? And God, would you heal the relationships in our lives? God, heal the the brokenness between us and our our spouses, our, our family members, and our friends. God, we receive the gift of grace. We know that you did not stand at a distance from your people, but you actually came to earth, died for us to create peace in the world. We love you and we look forward to a future of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, a kingdom of peace. We pray it in your name. Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.